2: Massive show, very, very excited about it, to be honest. I've got topics coming out of my ears. I need your help, I need your contribution, I need for you to join in the conversation this morning. As we always do, we're going to open up the lines and hand it over to you, my good friends of Victoria and South Australia. This morning, some better news on the coronavirus front, just seeing on Twitter 179 cases in the last 24 hours. So there's a one in front of it, which is... Um, Some encouragement, I guess, but uh, still tragically, there were nine lives lost in the last 24 hours. So to everyone in Victoria, keep doing what you are doing and um, bringing these numbers down. But we are here to talk about sport as always. I'm going to give you my AFL's 10 most fascinating figures through until the end of the year. Who is going to fascinate us between now and season's end? I've got my top 10. We're going to do that very, very shortly I want to talk about tough AFL players because uh, David Schwartz has had, to be fair, he's he's had a lot to say in recent times. Um, and, and I can just tell you, we're not walking around like zombies, David. We're actually pretty happy to still have a job here at SEN. But thanks for your thoughts. But he did mention in regards to Tom Lynch that um, he's not Dermot Brereton and he's not Barry Hall and he's not tough. I'd like to ask you who is currently tough, like who is a tough AFL player. Right now, because to compare Tom Lynch to Barry Hall and um, who was the other one? I can't even remember who he said, Dermot Brereton. That's right. Who is Barry Hall and who's the current day of Dermot Brereton? There's no one, but I'd like to ask you who is genuinely tough. And we're going to speak about the Essendon Football Club. We're also going to speak about Damien Hardwick's comments and who's under the most pressure this weekend. Because I reckon there are six or seven teams this weekend that just must win and not all of them Will. But I want to get the show underway with this. Has it been an overreaction week? Oh, I reckon it has been. I reckon us in the media, us, have uh, overreacted to a lot of things that have happened this week. So, firstly, we definitely overreacted to the Tom Lynch situation. I've watched it 10 times. He's hit on Sam Collins. It was almost in the chest. It is something that five years ago in the AFL would have happened 10 times a game. Um, Certainly been on the receiving end and given that little push off, if you're tagging someone, you're playing on someone, you do that all the time. So the overreaction to that was significant, a massive overreaction. Then what did we do? We overreacted to Mitch Robinson's comments on Tom Lynch. Yeah, I I reckon Mitch went 5% too hard on Tom Lynch and he didn't need to use uh, the word wanker at the end of it but it was two weeks ago it was on twitch he was playing a video game in a relaxed forum and we've absolutely smashed mitch robinson for those comments after we lauded him two weeks ago for being one of the great characters of our game and we love what mitch is doing so please mitch don't change what you are doing on the back of one comment that has been dug up two weeks ago and everyone smashed you for it and then yesterday we overreacted to Damian Hardwick's comments on, on David Schwartz himself. And like Mitch, I reckon if you asked him, he may have gone 5% too hard and he may not have said that uh, David Schwartz was crying 20 minutes into that grand final. But I loved it. I love people that have an opinion. I love people that aren't boring. And I think uh, next time Brisbane... And Richmond play. The AFL is going to be better for it, thanks to Mitch Robinson's comments. Next time, Richmond play. We're going to be better for it. The spotlight's going to be on them, on Tom Lynch. So I just think we need to take a deep breath. We've all overreacted. A lot of people have overreacted this week to some events that have gone on, off and on the field. So you can have your say on that, one 736 736 People lining up to have their say already at the moment, you know the number. You can text us 43 98 We're going to talk a lot of sport today. We're going to talk some American sport. We're going to hear from Port Adelaide uh, GM of football, Chris Davies, who has addressed pretty honestly the situation regarding the two Port players who have broken coronavirus protocols, absolute idiots, uh, threatening Port Adelaide season. So we'll hear from Chris, and I want to take your call. So let's get to that now. <laughs> Uh, Mal's on the line, he's going to kick us off and I want to talk about this because it is a huge game of football tonight, loser is out, so the loser of tonight's game, Gold Coast taking on Carlton, TIO Stadium, 7.50 Sir Doug Nicholls round, special occasion, Eddie Betts video that he released this week, uh, extraordinary, looking forward to seeing Isaac Rankin in his first Sir Doug Nicholls round, but the fallout from the loser, you may as well send your players in for surgery on Monday, what do you think Mal and welcome to the captain's run. Morning, Kane.
1: Um, I want to talk about who's tough, actually. Oh, and, good. Um, who's tough? Yeah, yeah. Who's tough? This is uh, from outside left field sort of thing. I think one of the toughest players in the AFL, and I don't bury for him either, is Caleb Daniel. He's a little as bloke in the AFL, and he goes in headfirst all the time. He takes on the big guys a little. He's just tough, you know. Tough doesn't mean fight.
3: Tough can mean, you know, Tough at the
2: ball. I and mean, mm. he tough at the ball. Well, tough definitely doesn't mean fight in uh, 2020. So I, I thought about this and I listened to the comments from David Swartz and he's he critical of Tom Lynch for not being tough. And he said, uh, you're not Barry Hall, you're not Dermot Brereton. And I thought, well, well, Ox, we're not playing in the 80s. We're not playing in the early, uh, in the early 90s. I mean, we are 25 years on from the era that you played in. Who is Dermot Brereton? Who is... Uh, Who is Barry Hall in the current day environment? Who is even Jonathan Brown? Like, I used to get, uh, honestly, seriously intimidated standing next to Jonathan Brown or being in the centre square knowing that Jonathan Brown was going to come off the line at centre half forward and send you into next week. Who's Byron Pickett? Who's even Michael Voss in in today's football? I'm struggling to think of one to the point where I thought it was a good topic and I actually had to text... Uh, my brother this morning because I, I reckon he was a genuinely tough player and i don't think you'd even accuse me of being biased in that i think he was really tough with the situations he put himself into and i text him i said who who in today's game is currently seriously tough um he wrote back tom jonas um, because he sees him up close i think nick haynes is seriously tough from the giants but it's a different tough nick's in perth mate who's tough in today's footy Nick's just dropped off, so we'll go to Tom, who's in Seaford, wants to speak about the same topic. Good morning to you, Tommy.
1: Oh, good, okay. Always good to have a chat. Uh, look forward to Fridays. Uh, um, same here, mate. Good on you. Um, look, I would give a shout out to Brody Mychek. I think he is a tough Ooh, yes. player. Good. He reminds me of someone you could have plucked out and put in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, and today. What The punishment he's taken at centre half forward. Given that he's not overly tall, not overly quick, he's carried a pretty tough can for that for the pies, and uh, I I reckon he's a generally he's taken a hell of a lot of wax in that terrible one the other night. Thank goodness he bounced mm, back from it, mm. hopefully. But I'd, I'd nominate him.
2: Yeah, and I think that is fair. I think what we are seeing is you, you don't get um, players pulling out of contests very often because they know you know people like us and and people will watch the replay and nine games live free to air there's three shows on a Monday night dissecting what the players are doing so I don't think you get as many efforts where players aren't as proud of but you don't get the same um, it's a different sort of toughness is what I'm trying to say every player that goes out there has some level of courage but it's different so I just thought for for the Ox, who's had a lot to say, the Ox recently. Um, for him to compare Tom Lynch to Dermot Broward and Barry Hall, I mean, Tom Lynch played with a broken hand and missed a week, didn't he? Or didn't even miss a week and jumped on a plane to play. That's tough to me. Dane Rampey, what he's done this year is is tough. Who is tough? Let us know. Robbie is in Canberra. You got one for me, Robbie.
1: Uh, yeah, mate. Uh, I would have to say, modern game footballs, Joel Selwood for me, he's yeah. always got his head bandaged up. I mean, that's toughness, putting your head over the ball. But you could look at it. The other thing is, what is actual toughness? Now, there's a lot of AFL footy players that have come back from horrific injuries to actually pull on the boots again and show the courage to go out and get hit, or those that are dealing with the mental health stuff to be able to front up, like I suppose the Jack Stevens or all the others that. Uh, have been out there, um, to be able to come back after being out, that to me shows true courage and, and toughness. And on Tom Lynch, mate, uh, we've talked about it, talked about it, talked about it. From a coaching perspective, if I've got Richmond this weekend and the, my uh, players marking up on Lynch, I'd be saying get in his head, bait him, step on his foot, do whatever you got to do, make him lash out because next week he's going to be spending a bit of time on the sidelines.
2: Yeah, I think it's been highlighted, hasn't it, how nice every AFL player has been this year. So to see Tom Lynch, you know, push push Witherdon's head into the ground, to see, you know, the the faking of trying to, you know, hit Sam Collins in the head and then punching him in the gut. it's been it's been different because we're just used to players, you know, jumping out after half time and having a good chat to each other and uh, I know Gary Lyon highlighted that on, on Fox Footy during the week and Ross Lyon did something similar about Hawthorne on Footy Classified. It has been unusual to see these types of incidents. I actually like it. It's the way football uh, should be played. There should be a bit of aggro, a bit of aggression without overstepping the line. Now, if Tom Lynch does what Tom Hawkins did and throws a swinging arm in a prelim final and misses it, then I'll be critical of him. But I don't think he's done anything uh, overtly untoward this year to um, suffer the consequences publicly that he's had to be put through this week. Grant's in Sydney. Your thoughts, mate?
4: Yeah, good Kane. Look, mate, the definition of what's tough and what's
5: a thug and what's mentally strong has certainly changed over the decades, certainly in the modern era. But the modern AFL football, they, they are tough. They are, they are super fit athletes and they hit in damn hard. The AFL clean the game up to protect them going in hard so they can put their body in and over the ball and go in at speed. That's tough, mate. And these guys, you know, that, that's tough. But that, that's mentally strong. And these guys don't pull out. They don't shoot the issue. They're demanded by their coaches to, for absolute excellence into the contest, and they deliver it. So the modern AFL
2: footballer is tough. Hard to argue with anything you just said then, mate. Great call. Just just thinking out loud on the spot here, I know um, I've had a crack at Dangerfield in the past for, for sort of milking contact and staying down a little bit after an injury, but he's tough. Like Patrick Dangerfield, does anyone get more contested footy, maybe Patrick Cripps, in the competition than Dangerfield? So whilst he can milk a bit of contact and he can stay down if he gets hit, he butters up, doesn't miss much footy and puts his head over it at speed, Dangerfield. So I reckon he's another one that perhaps, um, and you know, I'll put my hand up for this as well, haven't given him enough credit for, for how tough he plays. Well, people are loving this, so keep the calls coming through. We're going to speak about... The AFL's 10 most fascinating figures shortly for the rest of the year. Looking forward to doing this and getting your thoughts on that. But right now, Brian is in Point Lonsdale. Who's tough, Brian? Um,
1: Liam Baker from Richmond um, got absolutely crunched in the grand final by Cameron and got straight back up. And then two weeks ago, against Port Adelaide, he just ran in the same direction as the ball into an on-come-in Charlie Dixon and just didn't flinch. And uh, as the previous caller said, he's a little bloke, but he just runs straight at the ball and uh, eyes only for the ball. And for his size, I think he's one of the toughest players going round.
2: Good on you, Brian. Appreciate your thoughts. Liam Baker getting a nomination. Harry is in Sturt. Who's tough, Harry? Uh, I can Ben Cuttington from North Melbourne. Kane. Mm, Yeah, he's he's a unit, isn't he? Doesn't complain. North Melbourne really
3: missing. Yeah, sorry. North Melbourne are really missing him uh, actually getting the footy because North Melbourne have a real lot of outside players unfortunately and um, really missing him while he's been injured.
2: Hey Harry are you uh, a North man because uh, I'm going to count down this this top 10 I've got what should they do at the end of the year with players like Cunnington and Higgins and Brown and Polek are they on the trade table how do they rebuild this list?
3: I would probably look I'd keep Cunnington for sure I think he's got another couple of good years left in him it'd be interesting i'd probably oh, it's hard with pollock because you're on such a big contract would anyone want to pick that contract up your mm. is, mm. is... and with with brown and um with ben brown i think i think i probably would trade him off unfortunately I, I think he's i don't think he really suits our style unfortunately at the minute and i would see i'd fish him around
2: and see what we can get Good on you, mate. Appreciate you joining in with us this morning. Uh, Joe is on the road. Damien Hardwick made headlines yesterday having a crack at David Schwartz. The club then removed the comments from their own website, meaning there may have been some regret with those comments. But what did you make of it, Joe?
6: Well, look, um, I think for
1: a dual premiership coach, I think he could have showed, chosen his words a bit better. And I think to to attack a person's integrity like David Schwartz,
5: and and just, you know, completely, to me, it was just definitely wrong what he did. Um, now, you know, there's
1: an
2: old saying, you should separate the who from the do. Mm. And I believe he should have chosen his words better. So I agree in part with what you say. I think he went 5% too hard. But uh, I've actually been on the end of, of one of these sprays from Damien Hardwick in one of his press conferences. I said something about Richmond and he had a crack at me and, um, of course, Played with him for for a while, and he you know, he's a he's a ripping guy. And if I was a Richmond player, I would love the support from my coach. So someone's come after Tom Lynch, called so saying he's a, he's a knucklehead and he's not tough. Edimiro is backed in his player. I think the best coaches absolutely back in their players to the hilt. Now, did he go five percent too hard and in using the crying sledge and all of that? Yeah, perhaps he did, but. I'm not going to overreact to that. It, it's colour. It gives us something to talk about. Um, and if I was a Richmond player, I would have absolutely loved it. But I appreciate your point of view, Joe, and thanks for your thoughts this morning. Let's go to Frankston. Um, big game for a couple of clubs on the weekend. You want to speak about uh, North Melbourne and the Essendon Footy Club, mate? Have I got yeah, you there, eh? Matt? Yeah, I've got you, mate. You're on loud and clear. i with stuff.
5: Yeah, just with... Um, where- Looking at the kangaroos over the weekend play at Brisbane, it's probably our, um, our most unexperienced team that we put on the park. It's probably our most competitive of the year. So with where our list is at, I'd, I'd definitely look at trading Cunnington out of all the players on our list. He's probably got the most amount of currency for someone um, that, that's sort of challenging for a flag. I'd go to Essendon, I'd go to GWS, I'd go to St Kilda and Carlton. Yeah. Probably Essendon. I mean, they could really do with him. Um, and we go, I mean, look, maybe Cunnington and Brown from Fantasia in a pick um, or go to St Kilda and, and get you know, Gresham in a pick. Um, he's a very, very underrated player. You put him in any team, he doesn't have a lot of outside presence, but inside he very rarely gets beaten. Um, and I, I'd go, I, if I'm North, I mean, I know that they've been trying to land a big fish. I'm throwing everything at Bolton from Richmond. I think, I think he's exactly the type of player they need. He's got goal presence, he can break lines, he tackles well. Um, His 15 possessions look like 30 on game day, like he's
2: just he's Mm. something else. And I think he's gettable. Hey, Matt, nothing excites me more than trade talk. And that was an informed discussion that you just had. I think what you said in terms of um, compensation is fair. I know a lot of club supporters say, well, uh, we'll give you Ben Cunnington, you give us the first pick in the draft. Unlikely to happen. He's 29 years of age, Ben Cunnington. The clubs you've linked him to, it is a fit for me. Where do Essendon see their list moving forward? I did a thing on classified on Monday night. Can they rebuild their list to stay relevant and do something like what St Kilda did to go from 14th in in 19 to pushing for the top four? of The Saints this year on the back of you know the five big recruits that they bought in that, that haven't cost them a lot in terms of a wage. I know he'll significant amount of money, but the rest pretty pretty affordable when you're looking at Ryder butler give up pick 50 for butler um, um and some others you know jones not getting paid a significant amount of money can Essendon be crafty with that does cunnington fit there so definitely a fit there definitely a fit at carlton i'd be interested in blues fans ben cunnington to support patrick cripps in that midfield let us know your thoughts uh, good call thanks matt steve is in lily dale uh, with some trepidation i go to him good morning to you steve
3: yeah, uh, good morning, Kane. I'm, I'm surprised that you're not talking about the big story of the day. I mean, I hardly think that who's the toughest player is the big story
2: of the day. I would have thought. Steve, that I'm dictated cool. to by my audience. So whatever you want to ring up about, I'll put you on. Now it seems to have struck a chord with the audience talking about tough players. So I, I don't filter the calls, just like I'm not filtering yours. I mentioned we're going to speak to Chris Davies from Port Adelaide very shortly on the coronavirus breach. So now I'll give you your option to have your say.
3: Yeah, no, look, no, I appreciate the opportunity, Kane, and, and, and look, I don't I, to be honest with you, I don't um, I don't blame the two players. I don't blame Peter Laddams and um, Angus Houston for what they did. Uh, which may surprise you. Um I, I think I think it's more of a bigger issue and points to the cultural problems at Port Power. Um the clear, deep seated cultural problems that are going on there and these players have fallen into it. Um just for a bit of context, I've just off the top of my head, done a list of indiscretions of Port Power for the last well, few years. Well make it quick. Make it quick. Well, what about you got Oli Wines and his skiing. Is, uh, you got the, 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 the club um, pushing aside 23 years of long history and going with co-captains so much so that Keith Thomas had to apologise. Dougal Howard walking out on the club. Ollie Wines doing everything. The captain of the club trying to leave the club. Ollie Wines trying to break red COVID. And, uh, you righto, know, righto,
2: righto, righto. Penny, can we, can Johnny, can we wind him down? He's, he's had enough. He's had his say. I'll speak to you next week. Good on you, Steve. We'll get to Mark, Baz, Alex, Pete. Um, who all want to join in the program on the other side of this. Uh, Mark is in Canberra. Good morning to you, Mark. Thanks for joining in the show.
4: Yeah, good morning, Kane. Um, Kane, uh, I want to say I'm a Richmond supporter, but I totally agree what you said about Dimmer. I love him supporting our players, and I think any coach should do the same. But a player who is seriously tough um, and is is um, Trent Cotchen, um but Because of what he does at the contest, he, sh- he never shirks an issue. If there's a blow, he stands up. I you know he's a good-looking and he's an articulate fellow, but he's got a bit of white-line fever, and he's a, one of the one of the reasons Richmond has been so successful in the last couple of years, because he leads and his team follows, um, and he's, he never stands aside when there's an issue to be dealt with.
2: Hard um, to argue so, with any of that, Mark. Appreciate your thoughts. Trent Cochin getting a nomination. Baz is in Coburg. G'day, Baz. Yeah, good
7: morning, Kane. Um, I reckon uh, Jack Viney from Melbourne...
2: Tough, tough player, Jack Viney. Clayton Clayton, Clayton Oliver's tough. I reckon Christian Petraka is tough. I reckon Max Gorn is tough. So I get a little bit frustrated when Melbourne lose because they shouldn't be as much as they do with the midfield that they've got. Good nomination, Baz. Alex is in Perth. G'day to you, Alex.
6: G'day, Kane. Um To me, the toughest player by Country Mile, who's not only tough but is nasty and is out there to hurt people, is Big Mummy. Big Shane
2: Mumford, he's a tough individual and a scary individual. Uh, we'll go to Pete on the road. Pete, can you get your point across in 35 seconds?
5: Yeah, mate. I think uh, Damien Hardwick was being instinctive, nothing different than a parent whose child is being attacked. you do anything you do to defend them, I think good on him. Uh, and I think he's simply saying to uh, David Schwartz, people in glass houses should not throw stones.
2: Yeah, no, I, I I agree with that. Uh, Tim Gossage is listening in Perth. G'day to you, Goss. He nominates Brad Shepard as a tough player. Stick around on the other side of the news. The 10 most fascinating figures in the AFL coming to you. We'd love your thoughts as well. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Thank you to you, Gibbsy in fine form. As always, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 If you want to join in with me this morning, particularly on the next topic, so... Um, I was listening to a podcast the other day, big fan of Bill Simmons' work, and he, he was going through the 25 most intriguing figures for the remainder of the NBA season. I thought, oh, hang on, I can use that. They're always looking for, for ideas, a bit of content. I changed the heading to AFL's 10 most fascinating figures, but it wasn't my idea. Uh, I copied it. So I'm going to start with number 10. Gilliam McLaughlin, the 10th most fascinating figure, for the remainder of season 2020 now for a number of reasons and he could have been higher on this list to be fair to Gill, i'm interested in the pre-finals bye does he keep that in um is there room for the pre-finals bye which is something that he brought in to stop coaches from resting players in round 23 like ross Lyon and Fremantle did all along it would certainly help a lot of clubs uh, definitely get some of their injured players back. I'm looking at Collingwood in particular. If they qualify for finals, getting the extra week would be massive for the Pies. So there's that. There's also the grand final. I mean, how does he go about dealing the grand final? Where does it go to? We all think the Gabba, but what's the trade-off? What does the AFL get out of you know shifting the grand final, maybe for the last time ever, out of Victoria? So Gillam McLaughlin is fascinating the way that he goes through his work, for the remainder of the year, number nine is Brady Rawlings. Is uh, the list manager at the North Melbourne Football Club? How does he rebuild the North Melbourne Football Club, and what strategy does he take? Does he do what the previous list bosses at North have done in the past, and target, you know, guns, you know, Heaney, De Gaff, all of these players that North have had a crack at. Does he go down the path of getting Hall and Pollock and and these guys back in? And what does he do with Goldstein, with that man Pollock, Ben Brown, Higgins, Cunnington we've spoken about this morning? How many of those does he put up for trade? And what does he do? What's his strategy in terms of getting North Melbourne back to being anything other than a mediocre footy club, which is what they've been for probably the last eight years? Most fascinating figure number eight, Lockie Neal. Now, One more best on ground performance from Lockie Neal and you can shut down all Brownlow betting. He's got it. So when you think of the great Brisbane players of yesteryear, and we're talking triple premiership players, but also Brownlow medalists, Simon Black, one of our absolute favourites, Michael Voss and Jason Ackermanis, will he join those three guns at Brisbane in bringing a Brownlow medalist? He's one best on ground performance away from being just that Fascinating figure in the AFL for the rest of 2020, Nick Nat Nui, If he's not the most popular West Coast Eagles player ever, he's a close second to Ben Cousins. Now, Nick Nat and Andrew Gaff and Brad Shepard, they heartbreakingly missed that uh, 2018 premiership through no fault of Nick Nat's own. Of course, Andrew, it was his fault, and Shepard had that hammy. But Nick Nat with a knee, he's playing like a man who wants to make up for that. He wants Premiership success. Can you imagine if he's not the biggest figure in Perth at the moment in a sporting sense, what he will be if the Eagles win the Premiership this year? He's the All-Australian Ruckman in my eyes. Clearly, far and away, the All-Australian Ruckman this year. And a Premiership to go with that will make him a Perth legend forever. Ken Inglis in the news this week. He's furious about the two players that have broken... Coronavirus breaches and it threatens to, well, somewhat derail a pretty successful season to date for Ken Hinckley. He hasn't won a final since 2014, Ken, the coach under the most pressure heading into this season, Um, and he's been on top of the ladder from round one to round 12. What is in store for Ken Hinckley for the remainder of the year? Does the season fizzle out for Port Adelaide, which a lot of people are saying could happen on the back of last Friday night's performance, or... Can he get his team into a prelim final or perhaps a grand final, which would be a significant result this year? We'll take a little breather on this. I'm up to number five. So just reiterating, 10 most fascinating figures for the remainder of 2020. Gillian McLaughlin at 10. Brady Rawlings at nine, the architect of North Melbourne's list and how they go about rebuilding. Lockie Neal Looking to join Simon Black, Michael Voss, Jason Ackermanis as Brownlow medalist from the Brisbane Lions. Nick Natanui searching for that premiership. Ken Hinckley at number six. The top five most fascinating figures in AFL football for the rest of the year coming your way on the other side of this. And I want your thoughts. I want you to chip in. Who are you intrigued by for the rest of the year? Can be a player, a coach, an AFL official. Can be a media identity. What about Bruce McEvaney? He doesn't make the top five. But will he call the grand final from Adelaide? This year, one 736 736 the number. Currently working our way through the 10 most fascinating figures to finish off the AFL season. Going to get your thoughts on it very, very shortly. Got Shane there with a very, very good nomination I can see on my screen. Shane, he doesn't feature in mine, but looking forward to hearing who yours are. So from 10 down to 6, Gillam McLaughlin, Brady Rawlings at North Melbourne, Nick Nui chasing that premiership, Ken Hinckley, How will he go in the finals this year after being under pressure and on top of the ladder from rounds one through until 12? Uh, And I didn't mention Lockie Neal as well, chasing a Brownlow medal to join rare company at Brisbane. Fascinating figure number five, Patrick Dangerfield. Maybe I reckon is it his last shot is his premiership. You You wouldn't write it off, but he is one of the few players in the competition that I reckon can shift the gearbox into sixth gear and stamp his authority on a game just like he did Last Friday against Port Adelaide, extraordinary performance. Now, he's played in only six winning finals. There's a stat for you. Patrick Dangerfield, with everything that he's achieved, he's only played in six winning finals out of 16 attempts, including four losing prelim finals. The Cats are flying. Hard to go past them as premiership favourites with West Coast at the moment. Time's running out for danger. Will this be the year? Looking forward to watching what he can deliver. Dustin Martin. 2017 Norm Smith medal 2019 Norm Smith medal and I was just looking at his numbers how about his final series last year Dusty so let me get it up um he went in 2019 qualifying final against Brisbane at the Gabba 14 disposals six goals remember they played him as a forward he just went bang 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 kick six Geelong in the prelim he had 22 and kicked two And then in the grand final, he's had 22 and kick four. So by my mathematics, that's 12 goals from a midfielder in three big finals. What can Dusty deliver this year? And can he win a third premiership and perhaps a third Northswith medal? Fascinating figure number three, Nathan Buckley. Now, he's a little bit similar to Dangerfield, although he's been around a lot longer. Um, Never tasted it as a coach, as a player. Has never tasted it as a coach, but has come very close. He's got a massive massive salvage mission on his hands on the back of a bit of bad luck bit of bad management shocking injury run the injuries in all sorts the game plan looks sick. sick the culture's been questioned at the magpies now it would be his most remarkable achievement if Nathan Buckley can salvage this season at Collingwood I'm looking forward to seeing how he goes one three hundred seven three six seven three six counting down our fascinating figures of 2020 in the world of AFL. Number two, could have been number one. Can't wait to see what the Hawks do. Alistair Clarkson, him and the list manager, Graham Wright. He must be desperate to invest in the draft, Graham Wright. But Clarko doesn't want the draft, does he? He's got two years left at the Hawks. The draft's not going to help him get wins next year and the year after. So who wins? Who wins the debate between Clarko and Graham Wright? What role does Jeff Kennett have in it? What role does Justin Reeves, the CEO at Hawks, have in it? And which way will the Hawks go? Will will they go Graham Wright's way and and go youth and rebuild Hawthorne, which I think absolutely needs it? Or does Clarko think he can have another shot by Mm -hmm. rebuilding – sorry, by topping up this list again? We'll wait and see. Hawks fans, what do you reckon? And my most fascinating figure, number one, Chris Scott. I get Geelong wrong every year. Uh, They make me look silly every year. I put my pre-season top eight predictions in every year and I never have Geelong in them. And every year they make me look stupid. So uh, he's proving himself to be one of the great home and away coaches, 71%, is it, winning record. Not as good in finals. So a premiership this year would certainly show up his place in history as one of the best coaches that we have ever seen. But we know finals in recent times haven't been that successful for him. So what do you reckon? Ten most fascinating figures for the rest of the year. Gillam McLaughlin, Brady Rawlings, Lockie Neal, Nick Natanui, Ken Hinckley, Patrick Dangerfield, Dustin Martin, Nathan Buckley, Alistair Clarkson and Chris Scott. Happy birthday to Mark Williams today. 22nd of August, the great man turns 61. Shane is in Queensland. Shane, oh, you want to join in, in this topic? Who is Who are you looking forward to watching for the rest of the year?
6: Well, Kane, I reckon the biggest... The CEO that's oversat the biggest fall of grace of any footy club that I can remember. That's from in the grand final in twenty seven to now Stone Motherless last and probably zero and seventeen, that's Andrew Fagan, the CEO of the Adelaide Footy Club. When he's he honestly appears quite Teflon coated and I think the media should call him much more to account than what he's getting away with at the moment. From where the crows are, it's terrible. Mm, you a Crows man, Shane? No, I'm a port man. Did I okay. actually? So people will probably laugh with that. But, I mean, honestly, <laughs> no, I think if, it's fair. Do you remember, I... you know what Brett Duncanson and the team went through in 2011 and 2012, Kane and I. Just the Crows are in a worse situation than Port mm. was then, and they just seem to be getting away with it. Mm. Yeah, look, there's they,
2: they are fascinating to me, Adelaide, but I uh, you know, don't put them in my top ten because they're just they're just basically irrelevant, aren't they, with, with the situation that they're in and. And we don't expect too much from them, so we'll, we'll wait and see what happens. Uh, Mark Russchoo and um, that man that you mentioned, Andrew Fagan, have been the constants there. Rob Chapman is stepping down at the end of the year, so what happens there? What happens with their list? How does Justin Reed go about rebuilding that? Um, but yeah, it's been it's been tough to watch and, and see how far they have fallen. One three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number. A lot of texts coming through. I mentioned Nick Natanui is the most popular eagle of all time, um, but Garfield says Chris Mainwaring waring and not Ben Cousins is uh, the other one who could have matched Natanui for popularity. On North Melbourne, cannot rebuild a team quickly without Tarrant, Cunnington and Goldstein. They are untouchable. Trade Higgins, Brown and Pollock already got LDU, Taylor, Simpkin. I like Larkey as well. That one was from Brendan Hey, Kano. A lot of diversion this morning, so you don't have to talk about Port Adelaide. That's from Nugget. Well, no, I did mention Port Adelaide, and we are going to hear from their GM of football. That is uh, Chris Davies, who I'm assuming will not hold back from what I know of CD and how honest he will be. So we'll speak to him after 10 o'clock as well. Come on, Kane. Hawks are still undefeated in their hometown this year. Brisbane have won just once outside, not the season to judge after all. Well, that is a different perspective. Are we we letting teams off this year or are we judging them um, based on the situation they're in? I'm not letting any team off. I'm not having anyone say there's an asterisk next to this premiership. This premiership is as special as any other premiership that will be won this year. I'm not giving any team a let-off. Uh, we know you know West Coast have been away for a long time. We know, you know the situations other teams have been. Yes, Brisbane have had a massive free kick with their draw and the way that it's worked out. Um, but I'm not going to give anyone a let-off for their struggles this year. Hey, after this, I also want to speak about the game tonight. And my Carlton-loving friends who uh, think I'm harsh on Carlton got away with one last week. Didn't, didn't the Blues get away with one last week? I mean, wouldn't the conversation have been different had that free kick down the field not being played against Andy Brayshaw. And Carlton lost to Fremantle's side that they should beat. Well, they take on another side that they should beat tonight. TIO, Jack Martin's back in the team. Suns are off about a two-day break, three-day break maybe. And they have to win tonight. Lose tonight and um, Carlton's season is over. We'll take your calls, Blues fans, on the other side of this. Get involved in the show. The captain's run. They're all my top ten fascinating figures. Lots of texts coming through, which we will work through. 0433 98 11, 16, to get involved in the show yeah i want to give my thoughts on the Essendon football club shortly as well and their coaching succession plan but let's head to a rainy old adelaide and speak to jason jason who is a figure that you're looking forward to watching for the rest of the year
7: i may be a little bit biased here but max Gorn by country mile this bloke first year as captain of one of the oldest football clubs in the world Currently injured, has been bashed from pillar to post on the field. His aggression and leadership is amazing. Can he galvanise this list? Now, let's all agree this list can go all the way. Can he galvanise the list and honestly name one person that doesn't want to hear Max Thorn give a victory speech <laughs> on grand final day?
2: It's quite topical, Jason, because we've been speaking all week about players who are colourful and AFL figures that are colourful. He is one of those. Uh, Tex Walker's another one, plays game number 200 this week, and they're good They're good for the game because in an era where you know uh, clubs and players are so petrified of giving anything away to the opposition, Max Scorn is a player who, if he's on SEN or if he's on a radio station, I'll listen and I'll tune in to what he's got to say, and, and that's a feather in his cap. It's the same with Mitch Robinson. It's the same with Tex Walker and some other players. In fact, that's a, that's almost a topic. Who are the colourful figures that you look forward to hearing to that don't wheel out the the party lines and let's put our best foot forward and the cliches that a lot of players do? I'm not critical of the players for doing that because they get smashed, like we've seen this week. Hardwick, Mitch Robinson, all getting smashed for making comments in the media. Um, so who are the players you do love Hearing from 0433981116. Uh, Jono is in Sunshine, but he's got a different take. Morning to you, Jono.
5: Yeah, um, look, just on the last uh, call that you had, Kane, um, yeah, Max Gorn, great bloke. You know, uh, love watching him. I reckon he's a he is a superstar, but to say that they've got a list that can go all the way, sort of just, I nearly fell over. He, he's mm. got to be kidding that bloke, doesn't he? He's one-eyed... Blue and one eye red, they've got no chance. No chance
2: at all. <laughs> I don't I don't think they've got a chance either, um, Jono. Uh, but what he's saying, I don't think he's that far off the mark. That's why I'm so critical of Melbourne. Like, if you look at their list, do they have a list capable of going all the way? Or do they have a list capable of, you know, being in the top five or six teams in the competition and pushing for that, you know, top four and prelim final? I think they do. Uh, you line up their list with any other team, I think it's it's pretty solid. They clearly thought they did. Otherwise, you don't go and get Tomlinson on a four-year deal. You don't go and get Langdon. You don't give up first-round draft picks to go and get May. You don't give up two to go and get Lever. So they internally think they are. They got close in 2018, but haven't looked like it since. And I want to speak about the teams under the most pressure this weekend. If I'm looking at this game, the the game I'm most fascinated by um, this weekend, it feels like forever since we've actually had a game on, but this Western Bulldogs-Melbourne game is massive. Metricon Stadium, 145, I should say, on Saturday, is massive. Loser can go jump in a lake, I reckon. The loser out of the Bulldogs in Melbourne are absolutely kidding themselves. Western Bulldogs, soft kill. Last week against the Crows looked magnificent and they have looked magnificent when they've played well. They've looked horrific when they've played poorly and Melbourne have have had some soft kills themselves, albeit their win against Collingwood was significant, but prior to that, what was it, came to Adelaide and did a number on, on the Crows as you'd expect, but still not sure I can judge either of these two teams' form accurately. Um, We've got a big couple of hours coming up. We're going to hear from Port Adelaide GM of football, Chris Davies. He's going to speak about the coronavirus breaches for Laddams and Houston. Why was one given three and one given two? And what about some of the uncontracted players at Port Adelaide? Charlie Dixon, when do they expect him to sign? Sam Pepper is another one. So there's a fair bit we need to work our way through There, we will also hear from um, some American sporting experts. There's some NBA action going on right now. Milwaukee taking care of Orlando after losing uh, the first game in the playoffs there. The Lakers are up next after losing to Portland in a shock loss earlier on in the year. So we'll talk some NBA. We're going to speak to Ryan Daniels, who's been great form, Channel 7 journalist, with his finger on the pulse in Perth. Cam McCarthy, this is a huge story. He's just walked away from the Fremantle Footy Club. So we'll get the latest on that but most importantly it'll be your calls 1300 736 736 is the number I think we've had about 400 texts now I'm due for some votes on off the bench but uh, I'm not sure any other program gets as many texts as what we do is that fair to say Benny we'll be back with plenty more of the captain's run on the other side of this Oh, the first hour's flown by. SEN Track Boy's not happy with my comments I just made before. So the guys, uh, Simon O'Donnell and Tags and the crew, Jackie Heverin, dominating on SEN Track, of course. Um, check out the SEN app if you want to listen along to them, particularly on the weekends where they do their best work. They reckon they have more text than me, so... We've got a bit of a, a you know what swinging contest this morning here, but um, they're not happy with my comments that I get the most texts out of any show. So we will work through some of these texts. 0433 is the number. Jordan DeGoey, the most fascinating player. Does he come back this year and have an impact? Is he still at Collingwood next year? I did give you my 10 most fascinating figures for the rest of the year and ask you for your thoughts. I'm really intrigued by Joe Danaher. Will he play this year or stay on the sidelines and then walk to seasons at Sydney's end? Do you know what I had, Joe? He made my shortlist of about 15, Joe Danaher. Really um, fascinated to see what he does. Can he get right and can he get back this year and what sort of nick will he be in? And will it be an absolute waste of talent, unfortunately, for Joe for the rest of his career if he doesn't get back? Kane, I'm fascinated to see if Prestier, who was the best and fairest in the Premiership year, and Edwards, Richmond's most creative player, make it back, says Scotty in Tigerland. Unfortunate news for Dion that he did have to have that uh, arthroscopy in his ankle just recently, so that's going to set him back. Can Richmond win it without those two? Probably not. I think even most Richmond fans would agree on that. Hey, Kane. how about Ben Rutten? Has he got another gear? Will he face the media, says Nick in Coburg. Keep them coming through. Who are you fascinated by for the rest of the year? If you are just joining us, I had Gilliam McLaughlin, Brady Rawlings, a list manager at North Melbourne, Lockie Neal, can he join Black Boss and Akamandas' uh, Brisbane Lions Brownlow medalist, Nick Natanui, um, Pretty hungry from what I'm watching to atone for 2018 when he missed out heartbreakingly on that grand final. Ken Hinckley, can he win his first final after being on top of the ladder all year since 2014? Patrick Dangerfield, is it his last shot at a premiership? He's in a pretty good spot. Dustin Martin, what role will he have? The two-time Norm Smith medalist, Nathan Buckley. Can he salvage the year? Alistair Clarkson, what happens at the end of the year for the Hawthorne Footy Club? Which direction do they go in? And Chris Scott is proving me wrong this year with his coaching, but will it hold up in finals one 300 736-736 is the number. And it has been overreaction week, I think. I think there's been an overreaction to Tom Lynch. There's been an overreaction to Mitch Robinson's comments on Twitch of all places, which have been dug up after two weeks. And there's been an overreaction to these comments made by Damien Hardwick, which were directed at David Swartz yesterday.
5: They really should have a good hard look at themselves because I guarantee you there's a few players out there making comment, mainly I'm looking at David Swartz here. I played a grand final against that bloke and within 20 minutes of the game he was crying, so have a look at himself at some stage. You know, I thought the carry-on was completely over the top to be fair, you know, I found it disappointing especially from some of the, you know, the players that made comment, you know, David Swartz was completely over the top, you know, Mark Robinson as well, so I was incredibly disappointed with that. It's fair to make comment, but let's just make sure we spread the load and not just target Richmond
2: players. It's good for the game, I reckon. Adds a bit of colour. And if you watch the vision, I know we're on radio clearly, but if you watch the vision of when Damien Harwick made those comments, he looked like he wanted to kill someone. And I've played with his... Uh, sorry, I don't want to talk about myself. But I, as a teammate, Damien harwick we've been speaking a little bit about tough players today. As tough a player that has ever played the game. That, that's a massive statement, but he was... So hard and so instrumental um, for Port Adelaide when he came across, but the um, but well, butter wouldn't melt in his mouth, really, off the field, so completely different personas, white line fever, but that grab there from the presser was almost like he was back playing and ready to kill someone like Jason Akimanis in the 2004 grand final. So I enjoyed it. Did he go 5% too hard? Maybe he did. The other big story yesterday was Port Adelaide players, two of them, absolute idiots, absolute stupidity. Uh, August the 3rd, they organized a gathering with four individuals, I'm led to believe, at Peter Laddams' house. Dan Houston attended. This came to light on Tuesday night. To take us through it, uh, Chris Davies, the GM of football, he joined us on SENSA earlier on this morning. This is a fascinating chat as we welcome in Chris Davies from the Port Adelaide Footy Club.
4: Good morning.
3: Uh, a bit going on yesterday. Uh, how are you summing up the whole, I suppose, situation?
4: Oh, it was a it was a really diff- uh, difficult and disappointing day. Hazy. Um, obviously, um, the two players involved have, have put themselves at risk. They've put the club at risk. They've obviously cost themselves, uh, you know, a number of games at AFL level. They've cost the club now a, a significant amount of money at a time where, um, you know, we're all doing it tough and, and certainly the club is having to look at the way that it manages its program from a soft cap perspective next year. So, uh, look, I know that uh, both Pete and Dan are absolutely aware of um, the damage that they've done.
2: Can you shed some light on on how you found out about it, Chris?
4: Uh, look, I had someone who who um, had heard about what had happened. Give me a call, and so from from that moment onwards, obviously, you know, my responsibility uh, is both to do some initial looking and and make some level of assessment as to as to the veracity of the claims, and then to pass it on to the people who ultimately investigate these types of matters. Now, which is the AFL, the AFL, and um, you know, obviously, that happened on Tuesday night, and. And we're in a position now where, uh, by yesterday, yeah, we've we've been able to tidy the investigation up. or the AFL have and, and hand down a penalty? So pleased with the swiftness of it. Disappointed that it took two weeks to come to light. Um, but you know we we accept the punishment, and the guys have, have got to be able to move on.
2: And when you initially put the um, what you'd heard to the players, there was no they were fully frank and and honest about what had gone on.
4: Yeah, they were, Kane. Kind of, mm. I mean, oh, look, I had a fair bit of information at that point, so it would have been a fruitless exercise for them to to suggest otherwise. But um, look, they they cooperated fully with the AFL and, and we were obviously, uh, you know, I think we, we do a good job of being uh, as compliant as we possibly can be and making sure the AFL are aware of exactly what's going on.
3: Sadie, so how's, how's Kenny responded to this?
4: Well, look, Ken's disappointed. Um, You know, whenever you're in a situation where players put themselves at risk, and and as I say, in this situation, it's not only uh, put themselves at risk, but there's a a team aspect to this that, you know, puts us behind the eight ball. But, you know, I know Ken's had multiple conversations with with both players, um, and the reality is the way that the, the competition works is that we don't have and he doesn't have a great deal of time to dwell on on the players that aren't going to help us on Saturday. So you know, he's, he's had to move on and, and make sure that you know, we're, we've selected a team that, that we believe can go out there on the weekend and, and perform strongly for our footy club against the team who have, you know, over the last few years, gave us some trouble. So um, you know, we, we, we owe them, there's no doubt about that. And we owe our supporters to make sure that this isn't a distraction come um, game day. Mm. Will the, will the boys
2: front the playing group, CD? Will that happen, that happen this morning?
4: Uh, the boys will be at training today. The the nature of our day means that our, our AFL-listed group uh, and our non-selected team have to be in the club at different times today. Right. Um, but, uh, but both of those players will, will be here. I'm sure you'll see um, some camera work of them walking into the club on your news services tonight.
2: Do you... Uh, put them up to front the
4: media then? I'm not sure what um, Daniel Norton's got in mind in terms of, you know, when they actually speak, but uh, there'll be, there'll come a time, absolutely, where they, they need to front up. Certainly uh, the first instance is getting them back into the club and reintegrating themselves, you know, with with the teammates to front the people who are here and then absolutely they'll need to front um, the media for um, and have a discussion about what was going through their mind.
2: Mm. And you've ruled out pun- uh, pun- pun- punishing them. Sorry, um, further other than what the AFL have given them.
4: Um, look, we have obviously the the penalties for both of these players are significant in terms of both, um, you know, games missed and the financial aspect that comes with it. Um, you know, they've they've gone through the ringer over the last twenty four hour news cycle. I don't think that anyone is going to to miss the, their behaviour. I don't think that anyone is going to forget what they've done. Uh, I think right now um, the best course of action from here, now that um, the penalties have been handed down, is to provide them, you know, as a club, with the necessary support and to reintegrate them uh, into the group. Now, the fact that the ASL have suspended them for that period of time doesn't necessarily mean that they're automatic selections when. They come back. I mean, Pete Laddams had had just got into the team despite showing uh, some obvious promise. Um, As I said yesterday, Pete needs to work out whether he's got the professionalism required to actually play at the level, and and Dan should know better. Uh, So they'll have to make sure that uh, both of those guys are are showing the necessary uh, trust towards the group and and receiving that back before they play at at the level again. Why was Laddams
2: given three and Houston two?
4: I mean, look, Cain, that's a that's a ultimately a, a question for the AFL. But my read on the situation is that uh, Pete was the one who uh, effectively organised the gathering, and, and Houston was the one who was there and who should have taken himself out of the situation. So I think they've taken a, a more dim view of of the fact that Peter had organised uh, the the you know, the four people to come around, and, and that Houston uh, shouldn't have actually been there. Um, but was, but wasn't the actual person who'd organised it.
3: So, Dee, uh, will you challenge uh, the AFL with the fine coming off the soft cap rather than finding the individual as a club, like when Collingwood breached the rules?
4: Look, we, we won't. I think, Hazy, fair to say that, you know, it, it, it will provide a significant impact for the club, uh, but the rules have been made clear over the last couple of weeks of what the AFL we're going to do with any further, um, AFL protocol breaches. So, uh, there's no point us going back to the world now. If, if we had an issue with that, uh, we should have uh, fought that at the start. This is, this is something that the AFL had made abundantly clear to the, uh, to the AFL clubs that this was going to be the way that they deal with it. So, um, mate, we, we accept what has happened and, and we'll move on.
2: And you're the man that has to decide where this soft cap money goes to. So you've got 25 less to play with. It potentially costs someone their jobs or hurts the playing group. I mentioned 25 could be put towards massage or facilities or medical treatment for the players. Is that fair to say that that is the type of figure that would be spent in and around that that sort of areas?
4: Yeah, well, as you say, Kane, I mean, you you have a working knowledge enough to know that 25 grand, when, you, when you're having to... Take your soft cap down from nine point seven million to six point two million. Every dollar counts, mm. and to not have twenty five grand or whatever amount is um, will have an impact. Uh, both both players are absolutely aware that, um, that the mistake that they've made and the decisions that they've made uh, are are really selfish and will have an impact on uh, either individuals or the program moving forward. But unfortunately, they won't be able to control and and will be a decision that, as you say,
2: I'll have to make. How do you weigh it up with Charlie Dixon? I know it's Jason Cripps' area, but arguably your most important player this year. There's other clubs that would, would get him if Port don't give him the deal that he's after. But over the five years he's been at Port Adelaide, probably hasn't delivered to his pay grade and to expectation. So it's important you don't overreact to one good season of footy, particularly his injury history and his age. Yeah, I think that's... I mean, all of those
4: factors get taken into account, Kane, when you when you're doing... Uh, any contract, whether that be Charlie's or, or Sam's or, or anyone that we're looking to extend into the future, I mean, those, those factors have to get considered. Um, you know, you, you do rely on uh, some good grace in these situations. And, and uh, by saying that, I mean that Charlie's been you know, at our footy club for five years. He's got a, a good relationship with Ken and our playing group. Um, yeah, he knows that the club has looked after him and supported him through some tough times. Um, and as I say I, I know that he uh, is happy living in Adelaide he's got some good friends including um, you know some of our coaches Chad included um, I, I would be highly surprised if um, any of that meant that Charlie wanted to you know chase money or years uh, mm-hmm. over you know what would be a, a good and fair deal with um, with Port Adelaide
2: CD, appreciate your time, mate. It's been a busy week for you. You've done the media rounds. We appreciate it this morning, and, and good luck on the weekend. Good on
4: you, Kane. Thanks, Ada.
2: 22 minutes past 10 o'clock. Ken Hinckley is speaking to the media at the moment. We'll get the latest from Kenny Hinckley on his thoughts on the breach. We'll also hear from the AFL CEO, Gillum McLaughlin, who's done his rounds with 3OW. We'll get... His thoughts on that, he speaks about the grand final location as well. So the latest from Gillam McLaughlin coming up very, very shortly. And your calls, 1-300-736-736. Well, softball's not a sport we speak about often on this show, but it is our pleasure to get on the Softball Australia CEO, David Pryles. He joins me. Dave, thanks for your time. Good morning, Kane. How are you? I'm good. Now, exciting things to happen with your sport. So Softball Australia is pleased to announce a community club grants program with $60,000 in grants available directly to softball clubs across Australia. Uh, What do we need to know and how do those that are wanting part of this money to come their way, what do they need to know?
8: Yeah, Kane. we... um... We just want to help and support as many of our clubs across the country as possible. Obviously, it's a, it's a really tough time at the moment for everyone, and um, we just want to stimulate grassroots. So we've we've launched the marketing for the application process. They just need to go uh, online starting next Wednesday for two weeks to softball. dot au. Um, fill in a, a grant, and they can uh, they've got the opportunity to get up to a thousand dollars. They can spend on either recruitment or retention of members.
2: How significantly is the sport been hit, David?
8: yeah it's um it has been hit i mean it's it's community sport across the country really um the australian sports foundation recently did a survey and um they're predicting up to 16000 sporting clubs are at risk of closing across the country if they don't get you know sufficient amount of funding within 6 months so it's pretty significant for every sport every community sport across the country and we want to do our bit um, you know not just for physical wellbeing but i i believe mental you know wellbeing is, is paramount in community sport as well.
2: Dub, the Back on Base grants program, the initiative is aimed at increasing participation and retention across the clubs, as you said. I mean, it's competitive out there with sports, particularly AFLW coming on and the attraction there for, for athletes. You know, basketball would be a support a sport that you compete with as well. What, what has been participation numbers like year on year?
8: Yeah, we've got about 25,000 members across the country. Um, it has decreased... Uh, over the last sort of decade or so. And that is, as you said, because of increased competition, we're trying to put measures in place. Um, it is competitive, but, um, you know, we've got a shop front window now with our broadcast deal with Fox Sports, where we play a, a T20-style game um, live across the country in, uh, in February. And, you know, we'll go to the Olympics next year where we've qualified. Um, hopefully it's, it's on. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we've got some fantastic role models in our sport and uh you know we've got the shop front window and we hope more people come and play the game
2: grant applications range from a couple of hundred dollars to a thousand they must be put towards retention and participation initiatives so clubs are encouraged to be pretty creative now the applications will be accepted from softball australia's affiliated clubs only and must be submitted between 9 a.m australian eastern standard on wednesday the 26th of august through until 10 p.m on wednesday the 9th of september um do you expect to be a, a significant uptake with
8: this? Yeah, we believe so. This is the first time the sports done something like this. Um, we want to be a leader uh, in this area, and uh, you know we've probably got roughly 575 clubs across the country. So we hope that the majority of them put in and and um, with some great ideas in, in regards to you know recruiting across this uh, COVID nineteen period.
2: Mm, where are you based?
8: Yeah, down here in Melbourne, actually. So um, we've been working from home since March. But, uh, you know, it's the same for everyone. We're in the same boat, unfortunately. Mm.
2: Well, good on you, mate. Appreciate your time this morning and good luck with this. A fantastic initiative um, for community
8: sport. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for your time, Kane.
2: The application form will be open at softball.org.au forward slash community as it's just deleted from my screen. I might get that website up very shortly, Benny, if you can um, just get it up where people can check it out. But just if you put in Softball Australia, I'm sure it will take you to the website if you want to get involved in that. Gillian McLaughlin has done his regular media spots on 3AW. The biggest talking point for him was... The latest out of Port Adelaide, and he was asked about the breach from Peter Adams and Dan Houston.
7: Um, well, yes, in the sense that there is no risk to, because the um, breaches were for from were discovered. They were some weeks ago, so there is not a risk to the group because they've been tested over the last fourteen days or, or whatever period. It's you know certainly the, the right period, so the, the the risk has been assessed and 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 it's not there. So, okay. you know, I think where you're going to in terms of um, the distinctions and penalties, right?
2: Mm, there you go, trying to yeah, understanding that it was from the third of August. Now, the club only found out about it on Tuesday night, as we just heard from Chris Davies from Port Adelaide. Then they acted swiftly to um, to inform the AFL and, and get all the facts straight. And this is the response from the AFL. So he went on to label the breach as completely unacceptable.
7: Yeah, it's just unacceptable not on the island. That's why there, you know, there's a, a significant financial ban for the club and, and multiple matches for these players. It's hard, it's hard to get your head around. But you know, we just got to continue to hold people accountable and 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 have as much risk mitigation as we can.
5: Well,
2: we thank you to throw rw for this audio of Gillian McLaughlin. Big talking point is going to come to a head. Surely, will be where the location of the grand final will be held. Each and every week, he's asked about that.
7: Uh, I don't know if it's Tuesday, but it'll be it'll be next week. I mean, I, what we've I think we've been pretty consistent. I think you know, probably on your show as well, Neil. We're aiming for the end of August. You know, we continue to work with the Victorian government wherever we land. it will be in concert with them, and so without you know, as I said, I'm not trying to sound naive. We've got a contract. We're having very fair conversations with the Victorian government because I think we we you know it's increasingly looking challenging in Victoria again without standing and naive about it, and we are, you know, we're having conversations with, with others. So I think all of that will come together, and we'll have a decision by the end of next week. Now, whether it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm not sure.
2: Gillian McLaughlin speaking this morning with Neil Mitchell on 3 um, rw of course. Now there was some reports um, circulating earlier on in the week, as broken by Caroline Wilson on Footy Classified on Monday night. Is there going to be a potential delay to the start of the 2021 season?
7: Not under consideration. I mean, as as we've seen this year, Neil. We're in an uncertain world, but we don't. There is not anything that's been discussed, or any any plans to to delay the start of the season to May
2: No plans to delay the start of the season. So we'll wait and see. The players have a certain amount of holidays that they are owed as part of the collective bargaining agreement between the AFL and the players' association. So the season finishes late October, it shouldn't disrupt the start of the preseason too much. And hopefully, I hope anyway, the season starts on time next year, provided everything in as a place to do so. Big last 90 minutes coming up in the show. We'd love your thoughts on it. I've got uh, uh, a hot take, as Gary Lyon would call it, on the Essendon Football Club. Uh, we'll get to that on the other side of this. We're going to talk some American sport. We're going to head to Perth for the latest on the stunning situation from Cam McCarthy, who has walked away. Um, from his contract at Fremantle Football Club. Plenty on the agenda. would love for you to get involved on the other side of the news with Meredith. Uh, plenty happening at the NBA playoffs, including the Lakers, who are coming up next. Looking forward to that game. Uh, in fact, they're coming yeah, they're coming up next, 10.30, um, 11 o'clock Melbourne time. So looking forward to that one. Can they respond to their first um, game defeat at the hands of the Portland Trailblazers? Moments ago, the Bucks took care of the Magic to level up that series. The Rockets lead 2-0 over the Thunder and the Heat lead 2-0 over the Pacers. Let's get an expert on. Trevor Lane is from Lakers Nation. He joins us. Trevor, thanks for your time.
9: Oh, no problem. Thank you so much for having me.
2: What about... Your Lakers, uh, what is going on? It may take them some time to kick into gear in this finals playoff format after sort of experimenting and taking it easy because their spot in the playoffs was assured. But I don't think any of us expected Dame Lillard to take care of them in game number one.
9: Yeah, certainly. The Lakers were the favorite heading into game one. But, um, you know what, The, the Blazers were solid throughout the night. They executed their game plan very well and they made the Lakers try to beat them from outside the paint And the Lakers weren't able to do do that. They just flat-out missed wide-open shots all game, shot 15.6% from three. And that's not going to get done. This Blazers team is a real threat, and if the Lakers aren't knocking down shots, they could be uh, be in some trouble. Mm. So that man Lillard's
2: been described as the best player in the NBA right now. I think it was Stephen A. Smith who said that. Do you agree with that?
9: I mean, he's playing the best right, right now. Is he the best player over the course of a season? Probably not, but he's certainly up there. He's one of the best players in the league, absolutely. And and right now in the bubble in Orlando, he's playing at the highest level, and that's why he's the bubble MVP at, at this point. So nobody's playing better than him right now, but overall if you were to do a, a brand-new draft or something, mm-hmm. I don't think he'd be the, the top pick. But that's certainly no slight to Lillard. He's been, been absolutely incredible.
2: Some talk that he doesn't get the credit he deserves, be it because he, he, the, the, the spot that he's in in Portland you know, doesn't get as much publicity as some of the other um, places. Is that fair?
9: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, part of that is he hasn't had a team to contend. If the Blazers were contending for championships year in and year out, then regardless of being in Portland, he would be getting more publicity, he'd be getting more credit, which he certainly is deserving of it. He's a, an amazing, amazing player. Uh, and so that's, you know, that's part of the argument when you see players that, that leave their teams in order to go join super teams is that the way they're going to get recognition is by winning. And if you continue to toil away in one city like Damian Lillard has, has chosen to do, uh, sometimes it doesn't work out uh, as far as increasing your stock as a, as a superstar. But, but that said, he's been very comfortable with his choice to stay in Portland. He's a loyal guy, and you've got to give him credit for continuing to grind for that city. And, and he's meant so, so much to, to that region. Mm. Um, what about
2: uh, the Lakers? LeBron, extraordinary numbers in game one, assist numbers through the roof. Didn't shoot the ball, as you alluded to, very, very well. But how did you see his performance? Because on paper, it was extraordinary. But uh, did that maybe not do it justice to the amount of shots that he missed?
9: Yeah, well, I think the, the incredible thing about LeBron's performance is he puts up 16 assists, and that was with the Lakers missing pretty much everything. Um can only imagine if they had been, had an on-shooting night what his assist totals would have been. Probably would have been well into the 20s, which would be absolutely amazing. Uh, as far as, as LeBron himself, yeah, he only shot one of five from three, which uh, obviously is not quite up to his standard. The rest of his game was was phenomenal, though. I'd expect him to be more aggressive attacking the basket tonight, more aggressive looking for his own shot because teammates haven't been, been hitting them. But, um, you know, LeBron had another phenomenal performance. He maybe could have been a little bit... Uh, More assertive, looking for his own points down the stretch. But it's hard to fault him when he puts up a stat line like he did.
2: Mm. Anthony Davis also suffering some criticism. Now, the best big man in the game, I think that's clear. But is he a clutch performer? That's been the the questions directed towards him. Is that fair?
9: Yeah, so that's that's the question, right? I mean, AD shot 8 of 24 on the night, missed all five of his three-point attempts. Uh, and he played right into the Blazers' hands. The Blazers decided that they were going to make him a jump shooter and try to clog up the paint as much as possible, and he has shown that he's got the ability to step outside and shoot, but he just did not convert uh, in Game 1. Now, he did get to the free-throw line 17 times by kind of forcing the issue and, and getting to the basket, and so that that certainly helped him out. But. Overall, they're going to need him shooting better than eight for twenty-four from the field. They need better efficiency. So, you know, until he steps up and really breaks out and has a has a big performance, he's going to get get some criticism, and that's that's fair. That's what you take on when you take on that mantle of becoming a superstar. You know that the burden is going to fall on you to help carry your team.
2: Trevor Lane joining us from Lakers Nation. The Lakers up against Portland very very shortly. Tip off in a matter of moments as they look to square that series up against the Trailblazers. Do you think they'll change up? the lineup this week?
9: No, no, so Frank Vogel has already said he will not change the starting lineup. But from there, I would assume that he's going to be quick on the trigger if things are not working to, to make some changes. We didn't see a whole lot of Dion Waiters. He only played one minute uh, in the previous game. I, I would expect him to get more minutes if things aren't going well. The Lakers simply can't afford to fall down uh, in a two-game hole. So if Contavious Coltwell-Pope, Danny Green, if these guys aren't knocking down shots, Frank Vogel's hand is going to be forced. He's going to have to look elsewhere and try to find guys that can convert. But I think his first option is to give his guys a chance to prove that they can shoot and play better than they, than they did in the last one. And if they show that, it, that it's just not working out, then he'll make changes from there rather than go into it changing his whole starting five.
2: All season, it's been Milwaukee, it's been the Lakers, it's been the Clippers. No one would have tipped anyone else probably than those three before this bubble scenario. Has it opened it up for, for another franchise to have a real crack at winning it? Can you see anyone outside those three?
9: Yeah, I think things have definitely changed a bit in the bubble. You know, it's a, it's a completely different environment, and it's it's changed a lot. And I think that teams like uh, like the Toronto Raptors have shown well, the Houston Rockets have been very solid um these teams, uh, even the Boston Celtics, have played well. I think it is more wide open than it was when things first shut down, where we did think it was just pretty much the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Bucks that really had a shot at winning an NBA championship. I think the field has expanded since then, and, uh, and who knows where it's going to go. But that's going to lead to an exciting playoff. So I think that's a good thing for the league as a whole.
2: So take us through the Clippers form as well. I know you're you're a Lakers man, and you focus on them more closely than any other team. But they're struggling also um, one all against uh, Luka Doncic and the Mavericks.
9: Yeah, so so the Clippers. You know, the the first game they played against the Mavs, I thought that if anything, the Mavs probably played them even. And as a seven-seed, that's, that's a little bit of a surprise for them to play, even with a two-seed. But then they lost Christoph Sporzingis uh, part of the way through the game. He was ejected, and that was a very, very controversial decision to kick him out. And there are a lot of people who feel like the Mavs would have won game one had he not been kicked out. And then they're able to to handle the Clippers in game two and, and pick up the win there. Look, the, the Mavs' offense is is fantastic. There's no question they are... Uh, they're probably the best offensive team in the NBA. If you look at the advanced analytics, they are the best offensive team in the NBA. The way Luka Doncic conducts that offense is just absolutely mesmerizing. It's amazing what he does out there. And the question mark for them has always been their defense. But when you can score points the way that they do, that's going to give you a shot on a nightly basis. So, uh, you know, if the Clippers are underestimating or we're underestimating the Mavs, I don't think they are anymore. This is a very, very dangerous team that can definitely give the Clippers some problems.
2: Mm. Take me through the style of play that's been played in the NBA now. Are you happy with it, Trevor? Because it's changed significantly just in the last couple of years, but probably longer than that with the advancement of the three-point shot and smaller lineups. Do you still enjoy the style of play as much as you you used to?
9: Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're, you're right. It has changed a ton. You know, if you go back and you watch the shaquille o'neal kobe bryant days in the early 2000s it looks like you're watching a different sport it's Mm. so different compared to the way the nba is played right now and but i enjoy it there's a lot more focus on versatility players can't be one-dimensional they have to be able to possess a number of different skills in order to be effective on the floor and you're also seeing more teamwork defenses have to be on a string all five guys have to be reading and reacting at the exact same time and making the correct movements because if they don't, the NBA offenses have gotten so good at sniffing out any weaknesses on, on the, the defense that if you're off half of a step, it can lead to a basket very, very easily. So I think the level of play has gotten very, very high. I think the intelligence of NBA teams and NBA coaching staffs just continues to go up and up and up. We're seeing these new wrinkles being thrown in all the time. So I like it. I, I enjoy watching this. I think it's uh, it's a lot of fun seeing the skill level of these players just get better all the time.
2: And the three finalists for the MVP have been named Harden, LeBron, and Giannis. Um, Giannis and seems to be the most obvious choice. Can you see any of the other two winning it?
9: Yeah, I certainly can. I think Giannis is definitely the, the favorite. I think you can make arguments for the other guys as well. And certainly I'm going to be a little bit biased and and feel some kind of way towards towards maybe LeBron winning it. But um, you know, Giannis has been absolutely phenomenal again this season, so it, it would not surprise me at all to see him win a, a second in a row. He has been incredible. And the Milwaukee Bucks have had an amazing season. So, um, yeah, certainly can't fault voters if they pick Antetokounmpo.
2: Mm. Well, Trevor, I'll let you go, mate, because I know you've got a big game to watch, game two. Lakers taking on the Trailblazers. Really appreciate the update. Fascinating stuff, mate. Thanks for your time.
9: Hey, thank you so much for having me.
2: Trevor Lane from Lakers Nation. That game getting underway shortly. Currently on ESPN, I'm watching the NBA Draft Lottery. So um, pick 14 in the Draft Lottery went to the Celtics. 13 um, went to Zion Williamson's team, the Pelicans, the Kings got picked 12, the Spurs 11, and the Suns picked 10. So fascinating how they do it over there. Uh, will our draft look similar, more of a virtual event this year, if things don't improve? That would be interesting to watch. Uh, it is the captain's run. The number's one three hundred seven 736 We're going to get to the Essendon Football Club very, very shortly. We are going to speak to Liam Marina from ESPN just on this NBA lottery um, as the number one pick is about to be announced as well. So we'll do that on the other side of this. We'd love for you to get involved in the show as well.
10: On ECN, the captain's run with cane corns.
2: Uh, Just repeating the news, AFL CEO Gill McLaughlin says that the venue for the grand final will be announced sometime next week. So uh, I think we all know where and expect where that will be, but uh, we'll get confirmation of that next week. Mark's in South Melbourne. He wants to speak about uh, the St Kilda Footy Club. G'day, Mark.
3: G'day. I talk to you every Friday. Now, the biggest clash of my football club this year against Brisbane. Brisbane aren't going to... Pro- do you think Cameron will play? Do you think Reynard will play? What are our oh. chances, my friend? Because I'm actually looking forward to see what we can do.
6: Clash of the round. What are your well, thoughts?
2: The Saints have been good against good opposition, haven't they? So do I think Charlie Cameron will play? I do because I think they'll double down on that. I don't think he should have played last week. But he didn't look right. So I, I think he'll play if he's been medically cleared. Do I think Rainer will play? I don't know. Those teams will be announced. You have to wait until tomorrow afternoon because it's a Sunday game. Look, I wouldn't expect them to win because it's at the Gabba and um, Brisbane play so well at the Gabba. So you would never tip against this current Brisbane team at the Gabba. Um, but St would have been impressive. So, yeah, I'm not sure, Mark. I've sat on the fence. If I had to tip, I'd tip the Lions. Good luck to you, though, mate. Oh, I think the Saints have been extremely impressive this year time now to get to our next guest his name is grant arnott from click frenzy he's running a virtual canteen for sporting clubs around the country it's a fundraiser to support your local sporting club grant good morning to you and
6: welcome to the captain's run thanks kane thanks for having me tell us about click frenzy yeah so we run large-scale online shopping events and we got our first ever click frenzy sports um kicked off last night so it's on right now and part of that, um, you know, Click Frenzy Sports is all about fantastic deals on a range of different sporting gear from major brands. And uh, we've got NRL and AFL clubs involved and, um, a whole lot of sporting codes. So, uh, very exciting there. But the, the big initiative for us this year is the virtual canteen. We know a lot of, um, uh, sporting clubs across Australia really struggled during the pandemic, not, not just the Adelaide Crows, but, um, every other local community club as well is, is really, uh, struggling at the moment, and a thousand bucks or so can can make a huge difference between whether they're around this uh, this season or, or not. Um, so the virtual canteen is basically replacing the actual canteen that you can't get to because there's no games on, certainly in Victoria, and even in other parts of the country. Social distancing and limited numbers mean that uh, you can't make make money from the canteen. So the virtual canteen is running all weekend. Um, and we'll probably continue it into next week. It's it's going well. Where every club in Australia can sign up and get a, a, a free virtual canteen page to sell virtual pies, virtual um, sandwiches, virtual Coca Cola. We've got Four and Twenty Coca Cola sponsoring it, as well as two times you and Anaconda. So um, it's rolling along now, and, and we're just trying to spread the word and encourage as many clubs as we can to get involved. We've got four hundred so far, um, and some of them are you know already up over a couple of grand, which is which is fantastic. And you are encouraging
2: clubs to be a bit creative. Uh, Got any highlights for us?
6: Oh, yeah, look, uh, that's... uh, So is offering a $5,000 prize to the club who gets uh, the most creative with um, their social promotions, and we've had some absolute crackers come in. If you go to our... Facebook page. You can see um, Regency Calisthenics is one standout. Uh, Natty Mook um, Netball Football and Netball Club is another, and, and Roxburgh Park as well. Um, absolute classics. Um, yeah, sh- just shows when uh, when clubs get together and get creative, even during COVID, even not being able to actually physically get together, um, the results are, are pretty good. And there's a lot of passion there, and, and you can see it come through. You know, with these clubs that are really really looking to stay alive. It's, it's as you know, Kane. It's um, you know the The grassroots sport is the the lifeblood of um, a lot of um, country towns specifically, but such a part of social fabric. So, yeah, we're pretty keen to make sure um, we do our part to make sure everyone can can stay on the park into next year. And raising some cash too. How much so far? Uh, We're up over 50 at the moment, so we've got a long way to go to to hit our goals, but we've got the whole weekend ahead of us and a lot of promotion still to come. So, um, yeah, we just uh, can't. Can't stress enough, spread the word. Look up your local club, you know, for five bucks for a pie um, for, from a lot of people. We'll go go a long way to helping these clubs. Mm. Good on you, Grant. Appreciate your time, mate. No worries. Thanks, Kate.
2: Look up your local club. See if you can get involved and help out the struggling clubs uh, across uh, Australia. It's been a difficult year. That goes without saying. Um, the NBA lottery is on now. It's finished. So pick four went to the Chicago Bulls. Pick three went to the Hornets. The Golden State Warriors got pick two for all of you Golden State fans out there who are hoping to get pick one. That landed with the Minnesota Timberwolves. So So uh, interesting way that they do things. We're going to speak to um, Liam Santamaria from ESPN about that. And that Lakers game is going to about to get underway very, very shortly. So we'll keep you up to date with live scores just on that. Jono's on the Sunshine Coast. He wants to speak about the Saints. G'day to you, Jono.
5: G'day mate, uh, just answering back to that guy that just rung up about St Kilda and how, how you think they'll go, I
6: was watching the boys train, I've been watching Collingwood and North Melbourne, Melbourne, all the boys up here train, I watched St Kilda train yesterday mate and they were absolutely fierce, they were up a notch and they are up and about and uh, you can say to that bloke, I can't say to him they're going to win but I can tell him they're going to have a
5: red hot go, they were up Don't and matter. about mate.
2: Good on you. Appreciate that. The inside scoop on how the Saints have been preparing for that big game. In fact, there's big games everywhere. I can't even the Fremantle Sydney game. I mean, who, who wins? Who wins that one? Not exactly sure. Speaking of big, big last hour coming up on the captain's run, stick around 1300 736 736 to join in this morning. The first couple of hours. Good morning to you if you're just tuning into us. Earlier on, we spoke to Chris Davies from the Port Adelaide Football Club. We also revealed our 10 most fascinating figures to watch for the rest of the season. I had it as Gillum McLaughlin. Brady Rawlings from North, Lockie Neal, Nick Natanui, Ken Hinkley, Patrick Dangerfield, Dustin Martin, Nathan Buckley, Alistair Clarkson, Chris Scott. We also heard from the AFL CEO Gillum McLaughlin, who revealed to 3 aw that he plans to announce the location of the grand final next week. And he also had strong thoughts to say on Port Adelaide duo who breached coronavirus uh, restrictions. The club was fined $25,000, which will come off their soft cap. Peter Laddum's got three weeks, Dan Houston got two and we've also discussed the overreaction to some events this week including Tom Lynch Mitch Robinson and Damien Hardwick. Lines are open and available to you as always for the next hour looking forward to our next guest though. He's been in ripping form. He spent a lot of the year at the Hub on the Gold Coast. He's now back in his native state of Western Australia. Channel 7's Ryan Daniels joins us. Ryan thanks for your time again.
11: G'day Kane. Yeah, good to talk to you and i will just Preparing, packing the bags to go back to the hub again. (laughs) It's been a rollercoaster year.
2: (laughs) Your poor family.
11: (laughs) No, mate, it's been a long negotiation process, I could tell you. And this is going to be a bit longer because, you know, all signs pointing to finals and grand finals being over in Queensland. So it's looking probably like a seven or eight-week stretch this time. So I'm going to have to uh, maybe make sure I I visit Pacific Fair a few times and bring some gifts back, I think, this time. I think you might have to do that. What's the rules coming?
2: What's the rules coming back to Perth?
11: Yeah, it's still the fourteen day quarantine. So you can quarantine at home though, which is pretty good. Like okay. last time, I sort of I did like a five week stint, came back. Uh, you just have to isolate at home, and you can do that with your family. They don't have to isolate. It's really weird. They sort of go about their business, go mm. to school, go to work. Um, you just have to maintain distancing and things. So it sounds like we're sort of you know <laughs> we're a bit strict over here, and we are. But um, it's maybe in some ways not as strict as it sounds. Mm. I've done that a couple of
2: times from returning from Victoria. Did the police check on you at all?
11: Yeah, they did once. Um but it was it was a bit strange. I mean, I could have I could have easily mm. fudged it. But they sort of came around about midweek point. I think it was about 7 days in. Came to the door just said, "Are you Ryan Daniels?" I said, "Yep." And they said, "No worries," and walked off. Didn't check any ID, <laughs> didn't you know, didn't look through the screen or anything. So, it was a bit strange. Um and you could easily avoid, I mean, you could easily mm. avoid it. But my From what I've spoken to a few people, they've checked everybody, just maybe only once or twice. So it's it's a really strange situation, isn't it? Did Mm, you get
5: checked? It is.
2: No, I didn't get checked once. 28 days, I've done, so two stints and and didn't get checked once. So hopefully they're checking on the others. But um, South Australia and Western Australia (laughs) are doing very, very well. Hey, mate, big story out of Fremantle uh, yesterday that broke regarding Cam McCarthy. Mm -hmm. He's walked away. Take us through this.
11: Yeah, look, on surface, it sounds like a, a really sort of sad, devastating situation, you know, and all the anger and that sort of thing flying around. But it's not really like that. I mean, McCarthy was basically told the Dockers were up front with him. And, and as you know, some people have said to me, oh, you know, why do not they wait until the end of the year to have these discussions? I'm like, well, these discussions tend to happen throughout a season between management, players, um, about where they're at going forward, and basically Fremantle said to Cam McCarthy, look, we won't be offering you a contract for next year, so Cam in the situation he's in, he can't play footy, they're not going to play him because they're not going to keep him for next year so they're not going to prioritise him being the best 22 he can't play for Pilson though or, you know, in the, in the WAFL because there is no WAFL for uh, AFL-listed players this year. So he can't even show form for you know a prospective third team that he might be able to join in his future. So there's no point in him going to Cairns and playing in some eight-on-eight scratch match against mm. you know Gold Coast mm. or Brisbane or whatever. So it, it's basically a mutual parting of ways. They, they both agreed that, look, this is best for everybody. Don't bother coming to Cairns. Thanks for everything. Uh, you go and focus on um, playing and, and maybe getting yourself in shape to get onto another list. He does want to play on. Um, in the AFL system. He's hoping to play for South Fremantle in the Waffle to finish the year. They're just trying to work out whether they can squeeze him in and, and whether they can actually do that. Um, but, look, he believes he's not done from an AFL, AFL perspective. He's still only 25. We know he's got talent. But the marriage between him and Fremantle, it, it never really worked. It was, it was sort of unsuccessful from the start. There's been a couple of decent moments, but a lot of, uh, a lot of unhappiness in between.
2: Ryan Daniels joins us from Perth, part of the Channel 7 team over there, about to leave um, and go to a hub again. What about um, Jesse Hogan? Uh, where's he at? Always a fascinating figure at Fremantle.
11: Yeah, this one's strange, Kate. As you would have seen, that they've tried to turn him into a defender, um, but they're also playing him in these scratch matches half as a forward half, as a defender, he's trying to learn how to be a backman. He did play some some defence as a junior. Um, he can't get in the best twenty-two, even though they're screaming out for um, defenders. And also, he's just he's on a lot of money. He's a super talent. The, 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 some something is a little bit off with the Jesse Hogan situation. Mm. It's not about his body this time. He's been training for weeks. He's been in these scratch matches. They just can't find a spot for him in the twenty-two. Uh, to be fair, it's kind of working what they're doing right now. They've, they've won a couple of games. They almost beat Carlton, Matt Tabernas in ripping form. So what they're doing is kind of working. But when you've got a player like Jesse Hogan and you're paying him that much money, you're supposed to be playing him in the team. So yeah, watch this space. I reckon with Jesse Hogan. Yeah. Just It doesn't appear to be working, which unfortunately for Fremantle over the years, I mean, add McCarthy to that list, add Hallie Bennell to that list, that there's a long list of guys who they've brought in on big money and just it just hasn't worked.
2: No, well, that's extraordinary. If, if he's saying to me that he's fit and he's available mm-hmm. and he just can't force yeah. his way into a side that has won four games for the year um, with the talent that he's got, it says to me they would like to ship him off at the end of the year. That's what it says. Now, they're not going to get what they paid for him, um, but would no. there be a club like, like an Essendon or, or a Collingwood who would have a look at a Jesse Hogan, particularly if they get him for not much, similar like what Hawthorne did for, for Jonathan Patton?
11: Yeah, well, I mean, you would think so. He's, he's a super talent. Um, he's had a lot of injury issues. Obviously, he's got some off-field stuff that he's working through. Um, but we know that he, he can be a top-tier forward. But the, the weird thing about trying to turn him into a defender is, uh, I mean, all things being equal, if, if things go the right way, Joel Hamling and Alex Pierce should be returning next year. Mm. Brennan Cox has looked great. Griffin Logan's is on that list. Luke Ryan's been fantastic this season. They have defenders. So this is a real short-term play to put him down back, but you're not playing. And then what are you doing going forward with him? You're not going to use him in defence next year. So it is a really strange situation. If I were a club that was, you know, in need of a forward, a uh, project piece, just to take a lottery shot at one of these guys, I mean, I think it would be worth it, and you wouldn't be paying the money that Fremantle and Melbourne have had to pay them in the past. Yeah, you know, I, I, I tend to think that this this is heading towards not working, and it has been since it really started, uh, which is a shame because he's a super talent when he's been going. Mm. I reckon he's
2: going nicely, Justin Longmuir, though. All, all being said, yep. I, I think he's growing into the role nicely. I like the way that he's he's rebuilding the club, and I, I enjoyed his post-match press conference after the situation that unfolded against Carlton. Is that the, the genuine perspective over there?
11: Yeah, 100%. I, I think, the, And it's not just him. I think Peter Bell, Simon Garley, Dale Alcock said president the, the last couple of years things have shifted at Fremantle. they're not the same club anymore they're not looking for that hero to come in and save the day a lot of the decisions that they're dealing with now were decisions from the past regime Um, top-ups you know players that could maybe sort of save the day as i said rather than growing from within and the last sort of 18 months they've started to make a lot of decisions which are based on you know building from within let's get three top 10 draft picks and all three of those guys hayden young caleb sarong and now um, Liam Henry's given a debut, the and they all look fantastic. They all look like absolute A-grade um, talents. So that's great. And you, you're finding some space for Griffin Lowe. Look, Ryan is developing. You know, Brayshaw finally looks like something. And this is not a coincidence. There's a real positive vibe at the Dockers. And this is not to bash, you know, Ross Lyon or Chris Bond or anybody. It's just sometimes, you know, Kane, you just need change mm. at a club. And, and they'd sort of run their race with that regime. and And now I think it's going in a really positive direction. Uh, Longmuir is really approachable. He's very honest. Um, the players seem to really like him. So, you know, I, I think that the, it's, it's moving in the right direction for the Dockers.
6: What's the
2: relationship between the government and the AFL, do you think? And have they given up
11: on the grand final? They definitely haven't given up. I spoke to somebody yesterday who said, look, they're, they're still planning a really massive pitch. And as you just uh, mentioned, that uh, the, the decision will be next week. You know, I, I think they, they know they're sort of 10 goals down. They've known that the whole time. They know that the gabber is clearly the favourite. <laughs> if you're reading the tea leaves, you know there's a whole heap of tea leaves heading towards Queensland. Um, but you know we do still have a great stadium. And the other day's announcement of October 24th for 60,000 being allowed with Phase 5 in WA, it doesn't necessarily rule WA out. It depended on what you wanted to hear from that announcement. Yes, it rules out 60,000 on the 17th, which is the most likely date. But the 24th is still in play. And if you can have 60,000 on October 24th, in Mm. perth why wouldn't you so i think that's been the one the one part of this that has been overlooked mark mcgowan could have made that announcement and said we're not doing phase five till october 28th and he would have ruled everything out he didn't do that so the the significance of saying october 24 that shouldn't be lost on people now Mm. saying that as i said they know they're 10 goals down uh they know it's probably going to be in queensland but there are People very high up within the WA football system over here who still believe there is a chance and that they will get a fair hearing, um, even though it it looks like it's heading to the Gabba.
2: Now, things going beautifully at the other team, the Eagles. Will they handle the hub situation better than they handled it last time?
11: Well, they couldn't handle it any worse, you wouldn't Mm. think. Um, Look, the interesting part with them is that that they're such a disciplined, organised footy club. You know, they're a high-performance footy club. They've shown that on-field and off-field for a long time now. Um, And I think the hub just sort of disorganised them a little bit last time. It sort of threw them out. They're used to travelling, but usually when you go over there and you, you play an away game, which they do every second week, and you lose, like they did in that first one against Gold Coast, and you play poorly. Well, you get on a flight, you go home, you sleep in your own bed, hopefully, you don't see your teammates for a day or two, you come back in the club, you reset, and you've got a different thing. Well, you can't do that in a hub. And they were sort of the first team to experience that situation with expectation. It didn't work. Uh, and they didn't adapt to playing in the Queensland conditions. As you know, it's sweaty up there. It's, it, it's, the humidity really makes it difficult to play, and it's kind of like a wet-weather game, no matter whether it's raining or not. Um, So they didn't adapt to any of that. As as the hub went on, they started to win some games against some lesser opponents. But they will be absolutely determined to come out in that first game on Thursday night against Richmond and make a statement. And if they don't turn up for that game, then the the panic might set in again, and, and you start thinking, "Oh, geez, here we go again. We're not going to be any good in the hub." The confidence goes down. They've won six in a row here. They might win a seventh on Sunday. So they are flying. But that Richmond game on Thursday night is super important. It's going to be well worth watching. And your man Nick Nananui is Mm. absolutely flying right now. We spoke to him yesterday. What day is it? Wednesday. He said there's no plan at this stage to rest this week or against that Richmond game. He's planned to play both of those. And there's actually no rest for him planned. It will happen, but there's no plan so far to do it. So as long as he keeps pulling up well, they'll keep running him out there. And obviously he's crucial in, in, in whatever they do.
2: Well, mate, appreciate the update. You've been all over it. Good luck in the hub. Um, shout out to your family for for making this happen. But uh, the coverage has been worth it. Look forward to checking in with you uh, throughout the year. Thanks, Kane. Ryan Daniels, uh, a ripping young journalist making his way in WA, He's had a has a significant year. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Time now to take some of your calls. You've been patient. A lot of you, including Martin from, I don't even know how to pronounce that suburb. So pickers get stuffed. I'm not even going to have a crack at it. G'day to you, Martin.
10: Hello, uh, Vol. Thanks for taking my call. A long time listener. Um, Love your show. First time caller to you, but uh, call the boys in the morning regularly. Um, I've got a few points to make. Um, uh, I'm a passionate Melbourne supporter, originally from the Goulburn Valley, and um, followed Melbourne all my life. And uh, I've got no hair left because uh, (laughs) I've spent the last 30 years pulling it all out. Um, And um, I I just want to say the previous callers about an hour ago, one um, said we can go all the way and the the next caller said we got no chance. But I I just want to say that I've never seen Melbourne look so sharp and move the ball quickly. And I want to pay um, uh, accolades to the press, the ruckman, who came in. Um, Max always gives us first use of the ball. And the other teams have have recognised um, his uh, powerful um, influence on a game, and they, they shark him all the time. And and we're we're more alert to that now. And we've got the best engine room in the business. Mm. And um, I, you know, so, like a team of, of of champions won't beat a tam- champion team. It, so a bit uh, of
2: optimism, bit of optimism, Martin, for the first time in a little bit this year about how far the D's can go
10: yeah our our fringe players are doing so well and um it's only your fringe players that make your your better players even better and uh oh, look I, I just um a big hider uh Hillary too um she's a mad Melbourne supporter and you know clubs like Collingwood win a grand final every 10 years and um we we've we've uh, had a our share of number one draft picks over the years and it hasn't worked and we've tanked and it hasn't worked and and I just feel that, um, you know, what you got to remember is round two. I think we only lost to Geelong by four points. All right, and, uh, mate.
2: Well, good, good luck to you. It's a big game. I, I hope the players haven't got ahead of themselves because the last three weeks have been significant, but they've got a lot of ground to catch up if they want to challenge for this year's flag. But you're right, that the midfield is as good as any. So hopefully they continue. Big game against the Western Bulldogs this Saturday. Let's go to Hobart and speak to John. Johnny, good day to you, mate.
5: Yeah, morning, Kano. Um, just interested in your theory on um, draft picks and rebuilding a list from the ground up. I'm mm. just following
8: on from the caller about the Dockers and the, the group of young blokes they got through, as well as your club, Port Adelaide. You know, I think they had three top 20s there maybe two years ago. Speaking
5: as a North Melbourne supporter, how many how many top picks do you think you need over two years
0: to really have some impact?
2: Well, it's not about the amount. It's about who you pick. So it's all it's all well and good to have the picks. You've got to make sure the recruiting bloke picks the right guy. And if you're looking at why Adelaide are in the position that they are in, their drafting's been poor in the last four years. So when you look at the first-round draft picks that they've got, most of them aren't in the team. Fogarty's not in the team. Jones isn't in the team. McHenry's not in the team. Mackesy will probably be rested this week. Gallucci's not in the team. It absolutely kills you. So you can have as many picks as you want but you've got to get the right ones. Um, But in terms of North, it's got to be, the experienced players got to be complemented by the youngsters. So St Kilda bring in five experienced guys, but it's not at the expense of the young players that they've brought in. So it is an art to put the puzzle together in terms of how much experience we need, how many guys plus 30, how many in that bracket between 24 and 28, which are going to win it for you, and then how many we build for the future. So in terms of the exact number, I can't answer it. What you've got to do is get the elite picks in and nail them. And premierships are won on draft night. They're not won on the training track or on game day. They're won on draft night. So you better make sure the bloke calling the names out knows what he's doing. Thanks for your call, Johnny. I appreciate it. Fascinating to watch North Melbourne and Hawthorne in particular. And Essendon to a lesser extent in this trade period. Dave is in Richmond wants to get stuck into me about the Tigers. Fire away, Dave. The floor is yours.
4: Kane, Kane. I remember listening to you weeks ago after the Melbourne game and the Sydney game. You said they were no good. You said, oh, it's just going to be a run, run around this year with all the lesser players and the injuries. Those players are due to come back in the next couple of weeks. And our run home, there's no games in Perth. That's what going the going to Darwin... Queensland, 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 or Adelaide against Adelaide, which is a bye. Um, They should
10: win all those, shouldn't they really, Kane?
4: And uh, the other question, Julius, who's going to actually drop out of the team when Asprey, Hawley and Prestia come back in? Who would you
0: drop?
2: Rioli, for one. Um, He's not touching it. And I, I don't get everything right, Dave. I'm happy to put my hand up. And when I said that, when the, the I, I never said they were no good, so I think you put words into my mouth there. I said, I don't think they can win the premiership, is what I said. But I've recently admitted that I probably was a bit hasty with that. And even on Monday, I had Richmond as my fourth seed for the premiership race this year. So they've impressed me. Um, would they be in the same rung as Geelong and West Coast? In my eyes, no. But you know, it wouldn't shock me if they won it. But back-to-back flags are hard to win. Um, but building nicely, no issue with that. Um, and I'm not going to disagree with anything you just said other than I never said they're no good. I just said, I don't think they can win the premiership. So I got that wrong. Put my hand up. I was wrong. Tom in Withamstown. You want to speak about Essendon? Get out of you, Tom. No, I just got a dodgy line there, Tommy. Got a dodgy line. Give us a call back. We'll get you on as quick as we can. Um, let's line up for the quiz one 736 736 Chad's Brothers Quiz, we are going to do that next. We're here for the AFL Record. Digital edition is out now, available at sen.com.au and the SEN app, all thanks to Kasha
10: On SEN, the captain's run with cane corns. Now it's time for Chad's Brothers Quiz.
2: Oh, absolutely it is. Let's go to Graham, who wants to get involved in our Indigenous-themed quiz. Sir Doug Nichols' round gets underway tonight. One of the more special rounds that we have in any AFL year. No different this year. Let's go to Graham. G'day, Graham.
5: How are you, how are you
2: mate? Very well, mate. How many Coleman medals does Lance Buddy Franklin have?
4: Um, um, two
2: No, unfortunately, to Graham. Let's go to Bill. Hi, Bill. How many common medals does Lance Franklin have? Uh, Three. No, it's not three. Let's go to Ken in Seaford. G'day, Ken. I'll go for four. Yes, you would be correct. Righto to you, Kenny. Who's the game's record holder for indigenous players?
11: Uh, Would that be Adam Goods?
2: Oh, it was close. It used to be Adam Goods. It's not anymore. Let's go to Andrew in Sunshine. Andrew? okay. Hey, how are
5: you?
2: Good, mate. Who is the game's record holder for Indigenous players? Uh, Burgoyne? Sean Burgoyne. It is 385 ga- games and counting, if you don't mind, for Silk. How many games did Graham Polly Farmer play for Geelong? It's a tough question. Um... Can I give you a hint? I'll give you a hint. It's between a hundred and a hundred and twenty.
5: Twenty. hundred and
2: fifty-five. No, it wouldn't be because I said it was between a hundred and a hundred and twenty, so it's not going to be a hundred and fifty-five. Uh, Peter is in Ashwood. Get out of you, Pete. Hello, Pete. Yep. Can you hear me? You're on, mate. How many games did Graham Polly Farmer play for Geelong? It's not 155. It's between 100 and 120. Uh,
4: 101.
2: Yes. Good. Well done to you, Pete. What year, what years, I should say, did the legend Gavin Wanganeen win a premiership in? He's got a couple. What Um, years were they?
0: 93.
2: For the Bombers, yep. And
0: 2004.
2: For the all-conquering 2004 Port Adelaide team as well, well done to you, Pete. Last question for the win. How many Indigenous players were in the 2019 All-Australian team? Name, and So just say the number, not the names. How many players? Uh,
4: Going
2: to go with four. No, it wasn't. Richmond. Daniel is in Richmond. How many Indigenous players were in the twenty nineteen All Australian team, Dan?
9: Um,
2: wasn't okay, four. Yeah. No, it wasn't four, um, and it wasn't two. Oh no, you would not believe this. You would not believe it. I don't know if it's rigged. I don't know if this guy is ben Lo- Benny Lyon's best friend, but Big Man from Geelong is back. Big Man. Gone.
3: Here, Here I he am.
2: is. Here he is. Sammy yes. How many indigenous players were in the 2019 All Australian team?
3: Let's have a go at three, Kano. <laughs> what? Oh, no, no, you're right. No, you're
2: right. You're right. You're right. You're right. They, they, they dinged you maybe for winning the quiz too much. This is this is unfair. We're gonna have to ban you from the quiz. You are unbelievable at your timing when you come in for the quiz. So the big man from Geelong, has won the quiz. He's won another round of golf, which I believe as well. He's got golf rounds coming out of his ears. When things open up, we've got a lot of golf to play, thanks to Club Mandalay. The best in the business. It's a must-play course in Melbourne's north. Plenty more coming up in the next half an hour. I want to speak about the Essendon Football Club. Urban Armour Australian-made hand sanitizer and SEN's official hand sanitizer available now at urbanarmour.com.au. Live NBA playoff action happening in front of us right now. Lakers leading Portland 27-21 start of the second quarter. Speaking of the NBA, Aussie Liam Santamaria from ESPN. He's from ESBS and he's from SBS, I should say, and NBL overtime joins us. Liam, thanks for your time.
0: No worries, Kane. Good to be with you.
2: The uh, NBA lottery has just been completed. Uh, take us through the biggest talking points.
0: I guess the biggest talking point is that the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, landed the number one pick. So uh, T-Wolves fans are pretty excited about that. The uh, the Knicks fans were, were hopeful that they'd be uh, up there and certainly in that top three. But, but they sort of slipped slightly down to number eight, Golden State and Charlotte with the uh, second and third picks. So um, it makes things very interesting from an NBL perspective as we... Uh, Sort of glance forward to where mm. Lamelo Ball and and RJ Hampton may land.
2: So that that is we saw last year with, with Zion and the Pelicans getting the pick and the scenes over there in New Orleans. Like he was far and away the number one pick and franchise changing prospect. Really doesn't seem to be as um well as clear cut as it was last year with the number one pick.
0: Now that's fair to say. Um no no consensus number one this year. I think. We've kind of narrowed things down to a consensus top three mm. um, of which Lamelo Ball is, is one of those guys. Anthony Edwards, the shooting guard out of Georgia, and James Wiseman, uh, a center from Memphis, would be the other two guys. So I think we all expect those two, those three guys to go uh, in that top three. But, but what order they fall will be interesting to watch. And um, it'll be interesting to see also whether there's some movement in that top three. Part of the uh, of the draft order because with the Golden State Warriors having that number two pick, there's a suggestion that they might be inclined to to trade that pick. Uh, we know that you know they've got um, you know a star-studded lineup ready to come back onto the floor next season, and might be looking to add a bit more of a veteran presence that can come in and help them um, as they go deep into the playoffs. And and so they, there's a chance that they might look to move that second pick, which which could be in play in terms of a potential lamello Ball landing spot.
2: It makes sense, doesn't it, for, for the Warriors to trade that pick? Um, uh, Wiggins is there now, Steph and Clay back, fit and healthy. Draymond Green still you know, somewhat in the sweet spot of his career. So to go to the draft with that pick doesn't make sense, does it, or, or is that unfair?
11: Um, look, I, I guess it,
0: it always um, depends on what's on offer. Um, you know they have a they have a chance to if they if they hold the pick to um, you know to pick up a, a potential future star and start to look at well what's their their franchise going to look like down the road um, but if there's you know somebody that's put on the board for them or put on the table that's um, enticing enough to to move that pick then then that would certainly be in play but look my expectation would be that they that they would trade um, as you suggest and. Um, That'll you know, certainly be very interesting because, as I said, we, we expect Lamelo Ball to, to fall in those top three picks and that could change where he falls.
2: If he is the first pick, Lamelo Ball, what could it do for the NBL when, of course, travel restrictions and borders are open and all that type of thing? Will it be a more common pathway for, for players destined for the NBA to come here and, and play their basketball?
0: I mean, it will certainly be a big um, statement of respect for the league. I think the fact that he's, he's slated pretty much by everyone to, to, to get drafted inside that top three, I think that's already a pretty big statement, um, a recognition mm. of the quality of our league. The fact that he came over here and did what he did in our league, um, there's an appreciation for the fact that that was against really tough competition. That was against one of the highest standard league's uh, on the planet, and so that it should be taken, um, you know, and appreciated quite highly. So I think there's already that level of, of respect and regard. But you know, would certainly everyone's gunning for that number one spot, and uh, I think that statement would be a bit louder and more maybe broadly heard if he if he did get pick number one.
2: Speaking of the NBL all slated to start uh, early December, you think that's all on track with the situation unfolding at Melbourne United and and maybe struggling to get the imports out to to Australia?
0: Look, we remain hopeful. Um, it's you know we, it's a bit of a, a moving proposition at the moment. There's been no official word from from NBL, anyone at NBL HQ that that that's going to um, be pushed further back. Um, Larry Kesselman has been pretty frank though in saying that if they need to they will and that you know there's certainly plenty of flexibility with the way they they can structure their season if it if it means pushing it back to sooner in christmas uh, that he said look we even have the potential in our planning and our modeling to push that thing back to start in february if necessary so i think the key thing really is for the nbl is to be able to get fans into the building mm. so um, keeping a close eye on whether they're going to be able to do that M- my understanding is you know, things have been progressing well within Melbourne United, um, and that you know that all of those people that that tested positive for the for the virus have been uh, you know on a pretty um, good recovery curve and are coming out of that uh, now. So that's that's positive signs, and you know certainly the positive signs in terms of the stabilising numbers here in in Victoria and in Melbourne um, are helpful as well. But. Um, at this point, everyone still remains confident of that December 3 start date, but um, I guess it's a it's a cautious optimism at this point.
2: Liam, mate, appreciate your coverage, mate. Loving your work and thanks for your time this morning. Thanks, Kane. Good to chat. Liam Santamaria from ESPN, SBS and NBL Overtime. Speaking of the NBA, Portland 31, the Lakers 37, seven minutes to go. In that second term... I've sort of been teasing the Essendon discussion I've had uh, all morning. I just went back to something I said in September when the coaching succession plan was announced at the Bombers. So on this program, I said the Essendon Footy Club is 148 years old and has won 16 premierships, which is the equal most of any AFL team. For much of the 148 years, it has been the envy of the competition and opposition supporters. I certainly admired the Bombers for its ruthless edge, competitiveness, September performances, and an army of passionate fans. The club certainly didn't live up to that reputation, though, this week. This was referring back to September. The decision to replace coach John Warsfold in 2021 with assistant coach Ben Rutton lacked courage and conviction. It's downright confusing. The right thing for Essendon to have done was to shake hands with Woosher, say, thanks, but you're just not our guy anymore, and move on with a fresh start and a new set of eyes. There's no doubt there will be a sense of sameness for the Essendon players who return from holidays to confront the same coach this preseason. And what about Rutten has convinced them that he's the coach capable of taking this extremely talented yet inconsistent side that has teased us all year, this is last year, why is he their guy? The highly touted assistant coach was poached from Richmond to look after the Bombers' team defence. On the raw numbers, the Bombers conceded 1,784 points in the home and away season, raking them 12th in the competition whilst the opposition scored over 100 points six times, including the elimination final where they were embarrassed by West Coast. Hardly impressive numbers. 12 months on is an eternity in the AFL. And what if, this was me speculating, Alistair Clarkson, Damien Harbick, Nathan Buckley, Chris Scott or Leon Cameron became available and were willing to take the reins at Essendon. Well, too bad, Bombers fans. You can't go anywhere near the game's best coaches because you've locked yourself into Worsfold and the untried Rutten for the next four seasons. So that was part of what I had to say. And you get some things wrong, but I absolutely nailed that. Like, How is the succession plan 12 months on looking at Essendon? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Bombers fans, are you happy now with the succession plan that is in place? And why did they lock in to Ben Rutten for four years when they could have had a crack at many other experienced coaches, say um, like a Justin Lepich or a Michael Voss, because we know these coaches are having the most success currently in the AFL. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. And also, if you want to have a crack at the shoebox... Great prize to give away as well. You can ring us and give us a call in the next 10 minutes before Dwayne Russell with Dwayne's World takes over the microphone.
10: On SEN, the captain's run with Who Kane Corns.
2: Is this for memories.com.au. Keep your memories alive for future generations. Righto, memories.com.au. Keep your memories alive for future generations loving this little competition. Glenn wants to have a crack. He's on the line. Glenn, what's in the shoebox?
5: What's the clue, I've
2: I've got to give you a clue. I've got to give you a clue first. There's a Sydney FC jersey in the shoebox.
3: Uh Clint
2: Bolton. No, but it's not going to take someone long to get the answer. Um, So it is all thanks to memories.com.au. Keep your memories alive for future generations. We have a $200 gift card from memories.com. Call Dwayne's World to have another crack if you want to have a crack at it because, as I said, it's not going to take very long for someone... To get this. Um, Dale has tweeted us at SEN Captain's Run on Twitter. We mentioned the bombers and the succession plan. It's been disrupted that all. That is all. Bomber Thompson took how many seasons to get it right? Dimmer the same, Clarkson the same, Hinckley looking good, question mark. We still have no forward line after much effort. We just don't need to worry about impatient views, in my opinion. That's fair, Dale. But what is it about Ben Rutten? And I like, I like Ben Run. I really admired him as a player. But what is it about him that the club was so confident to lock him in for four years? And, and what have you seen from him this year that gives you a lot of confidence that he wasn't a better option than the club could have looked at other options outside of him at the end of this year when John Walfold walks away? Wouldn't that have been the responsible thing to do rather than lock into an untried coach, if you don't know, is um, going to be any good at all? Nixon Geelong. What do you think of the Bombers succession plan, Nick?
11: G'day, Kane. Um, I reckon it's an absolute disgrace, to be honest. What credentials does Ben Rutten have? Um, I'm a long-time Essendon supporter, so I've been through a bit of heartache. We're honestly nowhere at the moment. And Ben Rutten, what is he going to change to make us a better footy club? He has no credentials backing him. If you watch any of the interviews, he looks boring. The players have no excitement around him. He just looks boring. And on another note, can we just draft an inside midfielder? That's
3: all
5: we want.
2: <laughs> Frustration from Geelong and Nick. And the changes that have been run, if he has made any changes this year, I mean the bombers have lost that flair. At least they could, you know, at least they were good to watch. Uh, the run and the carry from the back line, the dare, taking the ball through the middle. Yeah, I know it hurt them at times. They got scored against easily, but where's that gone? I used to love watching the Bombers play in full flight. Not anymore. Varney's in Crawdon South on the same topic. Varney?
4: Yeah, Cain, you're spot on, mate. Um, Look, I've got nothing against uh, Ben Ratton as a person, but he's not proven as a coach. He's been an assistant to John Wurzfeld. And to be honest, he's been mediocre at best. Uh, And and the recruiting guys have also got a lot to answer for. Mate, Essendon's been rubbish for 15 years. I reckon a a broom's got to sweep through that, John, because... We're just going to be Moody for another four, four years if they knock this bloke up. Why don't they go after Ross Line or someone with you know credentials? Come on, we're was, in a different yeah.
2: situation. That was my point. Where in September when I when I launched that sort of editorial off the top, that I just repeated this morning. I, you know, I would have had a look at Ross Line. You know, does he want to do it? What can he bring? You know, open the process up to all the viable candidates. There's so many untried or tried, even if you look at you know someone like a Justin Lepitch or a, or a Michael Voss on the back of the success Brett Ratten has had, that I think were more suitable to the Bombers than just tying it up with Ben Rutten for four years on the back of no evidence that he was going to be the guy. And I'm with you. I'm with you, Varney. I have nothing against Ben Run. Um and um, I hope he does a good job, but I'm yet to be convinced about the Essendon Football Club. We're out of time. How about that? That flew three hours. Your calls were terrific as always. I hope everyone stays safe and has a magnificent weekend. Footy back on tonight. How good is that? Stick around for Dwayne's World after this, and I'll see you at 9 o'clock next Friday.